Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hey Nike, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Sissy. I'm so excited. And me drawing a blank on what to talk about, but we talk every day and <laughs> we always have so much to talk about. You know it. <laughs> um, today I want to talk about next gens and governance. Um, I know you had me on your podcast and we were talking about um what governance is, and, um, and we had a really fun discussion about that. So today, mm. I, I want to focus on the work that you do um, with next gens and get an insight from a next gen like yourself mm-hmm. on what, what, what governance means to you and how important do you think governance is in a family business and, mm. and, and the like. So let, let me do one question at a time because I'm like asking 20 questions here. <laughs> Yes. So. <laughs> right. First question. Um, like, okay, give us a little bit about yourself and um, mm-hmm. your journey into setting up your family office. And mm-hmm. um, then we'll look at governance starting from there. Let's start from getting to know Nike a bit and her journey as a next gen setting up family office. So Nike um, spent half of her childhood in Nigeria and then we relocated to the UK when I was nine, my mum and my siblings. My dad stayed behind and ran our family business, which is construction and um, real estate. And I ended up working in accountancy, Deloitte, in Corporate Tax International. And it was fun times aside from the work itself which was like yo this cannot be my life for the rest of my life this seems so boring I loved my colleagues I loved the environment it was just the work was just so uninspiring and I remember having a phone conversation with my dad like he was asking me where do you see yourself in the future I was like not here um I see myself like dealing with like private equity investments, overseeing deals. I love the variety of that, but I don't know like what specific industry, I, I really can't tell you why I want to be in that industry. And so we then agreed that I should come home for a few months to shadow him and for him to introduce me to a few of his friends and get more exposure to different industries. And that was nine years ago and I never left. Um, so, um, just coming to Nige, I loved the entrepreneurial culture. It was just so much more laid back than in the city of London. And actually, I found that I had a greater voice and I felt like there were less ceilings and limitations on me as a young female in Nigeria compared to London. And so I then realized that my dad had been investing, doing so much investing, but with no structure, with no documentation, with nobody overseeing. I was just like, daddy, this, this is not, this cannot be. Like, we have to have some semblance of even administration, someone that can be a go-to person to even give us the information on who have we invested in, what's the details of that. And so that was the genesis of the family office. Started that in January, 2012 with a few staff. 
And yeah, I've been running that for the past nine years. But we're now entering into a, a different season, um, you know, um, in the operating businesses and in the family office. My dad still is very dominant. He's very he's still young for a founder. He's 58. So he has plenty of energy. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> so, you know, I'm the next gen. I've lived the whole, um, you know, founder dominance, trying to find your voice, trying to push for more responsibility. I've lived it and I know what it's like. Um, and so, you know, trying to institute a Deloitte on top of the family business was not successful. But for me, that was the standard. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I thought corporate, that corporate was the standard. And when I moved into the family business, the family office, I almost was ashamed of the level of informality because it didn't meet up with that standard that I held so, so dearly in my, in my, mm-hmm. in my mind. But yeah, so I, I've been helping other next gens like myself that wrestled with these challenges and really finding how they can be more persuasive leaders, not leading through position, which was what I tried to do initially. And it's epic failure as a young next gen because you know, the legitimacy, you just don't have it as, you know, through in positional leadership. Mm-hmm what makes you legitimate is your age or your years of experience, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the, your source of power. Mm-hmm. So that was an epic fail. Mm-hmm. Um, when I then started to look more into persuasive leadership through influence, then I started to see things shift. When I started to work on my inner self, I started to see that actually, as I was working on myself, mm-hmm. others within the family and within the family business were taking notice and it was making an impact mm-hmm. and changing, um, you know, the system more than um, when I try to just decree. <laughs> That's an interesting take on things. Um, I'm just going to take you a little a bit, a bit back onto when, um, as a next gen, obviously you had gotten the best of education, the best mm. best of exposure, um, having seen both best of both worlds um, th- from an African point of view, from a more Western Eurocentric point of view. And mm. um, you came into the family business and you were coming in to, to what can I say, to consolidate. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, you, they, as as we go into business, obviously families of wealth, sometimes as they start out, it's probably the initial family business. Then that starts unfolding into a bigger mm-hmm. basket of investments. And there's no, sometimes there is no checks and balances. Sometimes there is. And then sometimes we, they, there's a tend, tend to, to forget or mm. I put money here. Uh, or I invested in a friend's business, but because it was something that was growing slowly, didn't really pay attention and it gets forgotten about. So when you walked into this, how did it feel having to consolidate and also having to deal with the fact that, um, like you said, your dad is, is, is ever present and mm. uh, he's still, he's still very young for a founder and mm. um, he's in a space where, also, you know, you, you have young sons. Mm-hmm. Imagine the day they're driving the car and you're sitting in it. Girl. <laughs> I had that thought the other day. I was like, uh-huh. I have a bit of empathy now for the founders. Uh-huh. 
that change that you've just highlighted was real um because a lot of people felt a little bit threatened by my entry mm-hmm. because it represented professionalism and you know sticking to the letter of the law mm-hmm. or you know enforcing agreements that have been put in place whereas in the past they could approach my my dad and just say egbo in yoruba egbo just means like older older brother like mm-hmm. egbo then they give all sorts of stories mm-hmm. as to why they can't pay a dividend mm-hmm. or why the the loan you know will be deferred by two more years or whatever mm-hmm. repayment and when i came in with a professional team mm-hmm. a lot of times they would um, resist against our approach mm-hmm. so it took really a concerted effort on our part um as a family office to understand that there was a relationship that preceded us and also to concerted effort on my dad's part to not to really delegate that responsibility to us to always refer these people back to us that yeah yeah Nikia and her team the professionals you know they're trying to do this protect the family's wealth um and you know we can have a conversation as to what's the reason for your thinking behind rescheduling or renegotiating the loan terms or whatever um and it took a journey i think the first 2 years were probably the hardest but now um most people know that i am the reference point now when it comes to the family investments and wealth not to say that i am the sole decision maker they still know that you know dad is still very influential in decision making but definitely um the legitimacy and you know that responsibility has definitely increased um over the years and how do you feel being a next gen um all of a sudden having this responsibility i know we take it for granted that um as children to our parents we are obviously the heir apparent in a lot of situations mm-hmm. and there has there is that um that that heaviness on your shoulder on your head of um Sorry. the fact that my parents have built this over a lifetime mm-hmm. or have built it and taken it to this level mm-hmm. and so how am i going to fare in it and how is the, how's the future going to look because obviously as a next gen do you feel like you are continuing on with the vision of your dad and mm. is it something that as a family you've agreed this is the solid vision that is always going to be carried on or mm. is it something where you are still negotiating and trying to find your feet as a family in terms of the way forward because it's obvious that the world that our parents grew up mm-hmm. in lived in operated in is a lot less regulated is a lot less conscious is a lot less we are so in touch with ourselves now we are so about oh, yeah. the wise oh, and yeah. house and um saving the planet making sure that we care about each other and we're more conscious how mm. do you feel that your dna and mm-hmm. your stamp is being added into what is already there and do you feel that you have a voice that is being accounted for or listened to mm-hmm. or is it still mm-hmm. a process you know you've said a lot of 
um, subtopics that are so meaty. Um, you were talking initially about the burden on the next gen, and that burden is heavy. And a lot of the time, the burden is internally induced because of we assume others people's expectations or assumptions on us we pro- that they're projecting a sense of entitlement because you are supposedly born into a family of wealth that they um, don't respect you because of that that they shame you because of that that they hate you because of that and it can be an extremely lonely place dealing with those internal wars within yourself Um, So that burden is real. It's a lot of responsibility. Um, In terms of the vision of my father, he's still very young. He's still very active. To what extent do I feel like my vision is being inculcated to or our vision, myself and my brothers? So in the, the last two months, I've begun a transition from an executive role, an operational role to a more strategic role. So from next year, I'll be the chair of the family council because we're putting together um, our family governance process now. Actually, I've never felt as um, involved, um, as in control, as listened to, as I have you know, in the last two months, putting together the family strategy document, the family vision, the family mission, the values, and, you know, um, having conversations, um, you know, first as a reference point, using my siblings, um, you know, we'll have internal conversations and bounce back ideas. I'm the chair, but obviously open for criticism and for dialogue. And then tabling these ideas to my father. And, you know, there's a different level of respect that that has commanded compared to when I, I, I was extremely operational in the business, I would suggest ideas because that was still very much his realm and his territory. I feel like having taken a step back a little bit and to submit my our ideas on the vision of the family business um, and to co-create has really been, has really been a lot more impactful. Obviously it's still early days, and there's obviously the, the risk of, yeah, 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 that's great, that's great, go ahead. And then two weeks later, doing something that's completely opposite to what we have agreed. But um, I think the role of family governance cannot be understated. I mean, I, I must say, I, I was a bit naive towards its importance when I first started working in the family business, I'd heard a lot about family governance. I was like, what is that? That sounds so boring. Like the word governance in itself, it just sounds heavy, like admin. I just think of paper gathering dust. Like I'm like, nah, I don't have time for that. I need to be chasing revenue. I need to be managing the fires in the business. I need to be chasing new investments. Those are the things that will make an impact. But Actually, sometimes the best thing we can do for our businesses is to work on our businesses, not in our businesses. And in a family business context, it's working on our families and putting in place those, um, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say structures because that limits the purpose of governance. It's really facilitating, I, I, I think of it as facilitating conversations to jointly paint a picture of where it is that we want to head towards 
and um, ensure that we're staying united and home, um, you know, um, nurturing a healthy family unit. That's the way I think of it, rather than governance, structure, foundations, <laughs> trusts, you know, council, constitution, all these words that I'm just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I think um, maybe the words that are attached to governance um, are just our way uh, as humans of putting um, the weight on it to, to, to make it see, to make it, to give it the importance that it does have. Yes. And it's like what happens when you want to say um, avocado and then you go in and use its technical scientific term and Mm -hmm. everyone looks at you like, what are you talking about? You could have just said avocado. So (laughs) I think that's, um, working in governance is one of the things that I found is very apparent. It's mm. um, the using of very technical words can make it heavy. Like you said, it makes yeah. it very heavy, but let's look at um, the work that you're doing now in terms of putting together your, your family story, which mm. is the governance you're strategizing, you're strategically putting together your family story. You're weaving mm. it from trying to take where you started, where you're, you're, you're the founder started, mm. walk with that story and introduce where you as the next gen come in mm. and prepare for the next part of the story that the generation after that will add on to. I think that's what governance is really. It's more of mm-hmm. a, from one generation passing on to another generation passing on to another generation and are you 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 are passing on the story you are passing Mm. on the narrative Mm. and as you are doing it what are some of the challenges or the strengths that you are finding and um, what are the more interesting bits of governance that you that really make you go like this is really my jam I'll start with the interesting bits. You know, I'm a futurist. So if you ask me to articulate a strategy or a vision for anything, I can, I can pretty much give you a vision within 15 minutes if I just think about it. Um, I might just need a little bit of inspiration, but it will just flow. And so coming up with a vision for the family in 100 years, for the family business, for the family um, office, for the global family enterprise, it's like easy cakes. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty, like, I just jam with it. Like, I'm like, yeah, like just dream and dare to dream. And then um, the difficulty I find is then like reconciling that vision with where we are today, right? Um, how do we then bridge that gap from where we want to go to, to where we are today. That's the challenge I find. Another challenge I find is that not everyone within my family is a futurist like myself. So um, I'm, we're one of three. Um, I'm the oldest and I've got two younger brothers. I've got a brother that's like um, an experiential learner. He learns through um, play. He learns through, he's very curious. So he's a bit more adventurous than uh, myself. He's probably the one that's the most similar to my father. He's a risk taker. He would just try things that he's never heard of in his life and just learn from, from them. 
Um, and I'm just like, whoa. Um, and then the youngest one is really calm, considered super analytical, like, whoa, is even more analytical than myself. And so in sharing the vision, the challenge I find is carrying them along with that vision. You know, how will this work? This can never work because of ABCD. I'm like, no, 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 no. We have to assume it will work and then putting the things in place to make it work. If we start off from a place of um, pessimism, um, it will never change where we are today to bridge it to where we want to go. And then the next challenge is then storytelling to G1, you know, um, focusing on the why, you know, um, you know, that article we both read was just so mind-blowing for me. I realized that a lot of the time, despite the fact that I am a futurist and I'm extremely strategic, it's still easier to tell people what needs to be done as opposed to the reason why it needs to be done. Articulating the purpose. It's really when we dig deep on that purpose and storytelling that, that we touch their hearts and, and move them to um, really be persuaded to take on, on board our, our points of view. Um, I often say that um, matters of the heart cannot be changed through legislation, you know, but it's through inspiration. And so we have to really dig deep on, on, on inspiring. And so, yeah, trying to inspire the G1 in a way that would catch their attention, not necessarily the way that would catch mine. Um, because we are a very different generation, like you said, we are more in tune with our, you know, inner selves and, you know, all this, um, all this rhetoric. My my father's just like, what are you talking about? Like, you you, you generation are just sports, you know. When we started this business, there was nothing, and you know, um, they're a lot more, um, they're a lot more just focused on the what. So it's finding a way to articulate this vision in a way that would resonate with them. That has been a little bit of a challenge, but we're getting there. I think um, putting together the, you know, think starting the whole conversation on family governance has been a great journey for our family. Even if the vision that myself and my brothers desire is not necessarily approved, so to speak, um, the coming together and actively forming a partnership as opposed to just being siblings because there's a difference you know it's very different when you're siblings and when you're partners um has been a very good um a very good journey for us as a family it's really pulled us together during this really difficult season covid um and it's very ironic right you would think focus on the business you know um, but actually our focusing on the family has done more for the business than, you know, just firefighting in the business could ever do. And as you were talking, I just thought about something going back to um, the different generations. Um, mm. I'm just thinking, do you think maybe um, the current generation or the founder generation that we call our parents um, mm. are sandwiched in between two conscious generations. And when I say two conscious generations, I'm thinking the 60s were very much um, in touch with themselves, the world around mm -hmm. them. It was um, mm -hmm. more of a airy-fairy generation. Airy-fairy. Where um, they were, which reminds us a lot 
about our generation, but with just that with our generation, we've got a lot more tech, we're a lot more of a global village, and mm. we are a lot more. So it came from a generation like where you have the 60s where everybody was a flower child. Mm-hmm. And then you then when when our parents were adults and we were coming in as uh, children, the 80s was very much about um, the G.I. Joe, the strong characters, the the business people that are very mm-hmm. serious, that are hard hitting, the baby boomers, as we call them. And then introducing the millennials we, mm-hmm. and Generation Z, we're like more in touch with the grandparents and we are getting back more into the responsible. I mean, mm-hmm. not saying that the previous generation was not responsible, mm-hmm. but saying that, um, we are more conscious about uh, climate change. We are more conscious about the impact of our businesses on a global scale. We we now understand the communication between micro and macro Mm -hmm. in a way that could have never been experienced by that generation. I mean, you can pick up your phone right now and call anyone anywhere in the world. And we, we're speaking to each other. We've, we've never been in the same room as each other physically, but we've managed to build mm-hmm. um, an organization together. What are your thoughts on um, our generation, uh, uh, the founders that we're dealing with being um, founders that are caught in between two conscious generations or two flower generations? I think that's really apt um, from my observations that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely millennials are a lot more conscious of their world, of themselves. And whereas founders tend to be, you know, not as conscious. And it, it, it can be quite alienating for both generations, not just to say the next gens alone. Um, and, you know, creating this joint vision or in jointly nurturing this business, that can really be a huge challenge to overcome. And it's really about empathy, right? Um, and not judging our viewpoints or our holding our viewpoints or our approaches to life as the the standard, but really getting, I think, curious as to why are they different and using it as a learning opportunity. And again, trying to see the world through their perspective such that when we are presenting new ideas or we do want to push in place new investments new initiatives or what have you in the business in the family what what however um the way we articulate this is through the lens through which they see things to really persuade them effectively so i think we can either use um differences as um an opportunity to push us further apart or we can lean into those differences and say hmm let's get curious why are they the way they are and if they're the way they are, accept them for who they are rather than fight them for who they are um, and try to articulate things in a way that would really be, um, like I said, persuasive from their perspective. Awesome. Awesome. Nike, thank you so much for joining me on this um, podcast recording. And um, 
just sharing your thoughts and insights into the journey that you're having as a next gen. And I'm sure that those who are listening have also taken away some valuable information and um, knowledge that will help them on their journey. Do you have any parting words that you would like to share with next gens that are building their governance and adding on value to their family's story and history? Yes, it's to be patient. It's a journey. It's um, the work of in family businesses is is one that is a journey. It's definitely not transactional. It's not just, you know, you, you, you type a report and it gets implemented straight away. So is to remember that it takes time to win everyone over. Um, but it's a journey worth going on, not only for your generation, the family security, um, but also for um, employees. So many employees and their families are, are being blessed by the business and communities and p- passing on that family legacy. So just be patient, you know, a journey of a thousand miles, it starts with a step and just keep taking one step after the other and we will eventually get to that thousand miles. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you and the time you've given me today. Thank you, Sissy. That was fun.